0: Thank you, God's Bees. Thank you very much. It's a blessing. Hey, thank you for being here tonight. I'm glad to see your face. I'm glad that you've come to be with us. Friends and guests that are here, you've honored us by your attendance tonight. Thank you for being here. I want you to just open up your heart and see what God has to say. God wants to speak to our hearts. A friend of mine said, anytime you open up the Holy Bible, God's going to speak, because that's his word. He's speaking. Amen? All right. Uh, so I did find my Bible. It was a hallelujah. Some of you didn't know it was lost. It was not lost, it was hidden. So anyway, we we have it now, and I'm very grateful. So hallelujah. So uh let's do this. If you have a uh a ribbon, a marker thingy, Bob, if you would put it in the book of Romance, romance is Closer to the end of your Bible than the middle of your Bible. So if you want to put your thumb at the end of your Bible and flip toward the front. If you get to uh, Acts or book of John, you went a little too far, go back. Romans chapter 8, put a marker there. And then let's turn to our text passage. It's Hebrews, which is between Romans and the end of your Bible. Hebrews chapter 12. If you turn there, please. Uh, it's our text. I will tell you, in a little while, when I say, hey, let's turn to Romans chapter 8, you will know it's almost over, okay? The the sermon just has a couple, few minutes left, and so you can hang in there until we get to Romans chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 12. Now, uh, tonight by way of Advertisement for Monday and Tuesday. Uh, when I want to ask uh, this question. Uh, I guess, anyway, uh, perhaps Wednesday. I, I'm undecided what, which one comes which, but regardless, do you have a hero in the Bible? somebody in the bible you go whoa i really like to hear i like this character in the bible it could be moses it could be david it could be noah it could be john or peter or paul i know we you know besides the lord jesus you know we all go yeah jesus and that's true but is there a hero somebody in the bible that you know it could be ruth it could be dinah it could be esther you know i don't know Uh, uh, do you have a hero in the bible Someone comes to your mind. All right, now I want you to answer out loud. Answer out loud. Did the hero that you have in the Bible did they ever mess up? Yes. No. I thought you might say that. That's a sermon for later in the week. I, I'm undecided. Like I said, it, uh, it, it'll be Tuesday or Wednesday. But anyway, uh, it's a it's a blessing. You don't want to miss that. So. Uh, We'll get to that later tonight. I'm looking forward to trying to get this across. Uh, This is, uh, I hope your brain is ready and we're going to do this. So if you're able, I'm going to ask you to stand with me, please. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 12 and verse number 1, and we'll also read what we call 2A. Right? Verse 1, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of of our faith. That's as far as we're going to read right now. I do want to have prayer. I certainly need God's help tonight to communicate, to get across his word tonight. So let's have prayer, all right? Our great God, I come to you again. I want to say thank you. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you proved that you love us. Thank you for your word that we can hear from you. We can read it see it with their own eyes, what you have to say and what you're trying to get across to this world, humanity. And so God, I thank you for people that would come to church service on Sunday night and have their heart ready and their hearts open. They have their Bible. They want to hear what you have to say. So I'm asking you for help. Please help. I need unction and utterance and power to communicate the truth, to get it across Then I pray all of us have ears ready to hear, hearts that are opened, ready to hear and respond to whatever you have to say. Of course, Jesus, if someone's not yet born again, they're not ready for eternity, please touch them, convince them they need a Savior. And your son, Jesus, is the Savior. And God, for us that know you, speak to us. We want you to be glorified tonight. So thank you for what you've already done. Thank you for what you're about to do. And Jesus, we sure do look forward to when we get to see you. It's in your holy and mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. This morning we um, just recognize that the verse is a metaphor about Christianity. And so we spent our time this morning, our, most of our time anyway, on who is us? Let us run the race. Let us lay aside every weight. Let us. Who is us? We learned that it's the writer of the book of Hebrews. We learned that it's the Hebrew people, but it's not all Hebrew people. It's only the Hebrew people. Look up here. It's the, only the Hebrew people that were partakers of the heavenly calling. Somebody pretend like you know what that means. Say amen. amen. No, no. We'll start over. They are Hebrews that were partakers of the heavenly calling. Amen. Yes, amen. And today, if you're alive today, the heavenly calling is still available. If you receive the heavenly calling, you do get saved, and that's a hallelujah. But something else happens in the metaphor that I explained this morning, is that we get we get what? Come on, more than three people know. What do we get? We get the jersey with our number on it. We're on God's team, amen? amen. If you got the jersey, according, you're you're put in the race. You're supposed to be making progress in the race. That's the whole purpose of a race. You've got to be going somewhere. Remember, there are some people that got the jersey that they haven't made the progress. He makes it plain they haven't made the progress. In fact, he said you ought to be teachers, but you're back here. You need someone to teach you the first principles again. Amen? Amen. We looked at that this morning. So what are you supposed to do? If you don't have the jersey, you need to get the jersey. You need to admit you're a sinner. You need to understand Christ is the Savior. He did die for your sins. Receive Jesus to be your Savior. You get saved and you get a jersey. You get on the team. If you're already born again, you're already saved and you know it, then you just need to be sure that you're making progress. Amen. Tonight. He says, let us run. I'm going to spend a little time on run. A lot of people in Christianity, since they're not in here, they're in here, that we're talking about. A lot of people are a long ways from a run. They're not, there's no, let us, I'm sorry, I didn't make the metaphor up, it's in the Bible. Let us run. Run's gonna take uh, energy, it's gonna take effort. Some people go, man, I just, I don't believe in running. I don't do that. Well, since we're talking about it, the Bible does use other metaphors in the scripture other than run. It also uses this one, walk in the spirit. You're going, oh, I like that one a lot better. Let's walk. (laughs) Oh, no, there's another one. It says stand. Well, that's even better. Well, might as well say it. Lay down in green pastures. <laughs> say, Amen. Thank you, Jesus. But wait a minute. All of these are pictures. They're metaphors, okay? So all of them are applicable. You can apply them. But the one tonight is run. It's going to take effort. It's going to take energy, wow, so running is not jogging, running is not a fast walk, there's a difference, Amen? amen, Bible does say, let us run, since we're talking about it, I'll just go ahead and throw this in. I'm gonna to talk to you later in the message that I, I am a runner, but uh, I used to have a lot of trouble with my lower back and I had issues with it. And uh, so I'd go to a chiropractor and so on. Anyway, I had a chiropractor, I told him, I said, I, I'm a jogger and I, I jog regularly. And he goes, oh, you're a jogger? I go, yeah. He said, you do it regularly? Yeah, I, I jog several times a week. Yeah. So he goes, So you're just messing around? No, I'm not. <laughs> well, jogging sounds like you're messing around. I go, Well, no, I'm not messing around. I, it takes me about eight minutes to run a mile. And he goes, You're not jogging. Don't tell people you're a jogger. When you say you're a jogger, it sounds like you're lazy. Sounds like you don't mean it. He said, tell people you're a runner. So I'll just tell you to your face, I've never been a jogger since. (laughs) I'm a runner. I'm not messing around. I'm not being lazy about it. It takes energy. It takes effort. So I thought this was fascinating. Listen to what the Bible says. Let us, we know who us is, run. It's going to take energy. It's going to take effort. It's going to take decision making here. He says, let us run the race. It actually says, let us run with patience, but it says the race. So there is a race, metaphorically. There is, Christianity has this race that is in front of you. But I thought it was fascinating. I thought it was fascinating that when you do study in the Bible and you kind of, you know, you look up the word race in your strong concordance, now, Strong's Concordance tells you the word, so we looked up race, it's alphabetically, it's under R, R-A-C-E. You look it up, and then right next to it is a number, and then next to the number is the, in the New Testament, it's the Greek alphabet, and it spells out the word race. But it's not in our vocabulary, not in our alphabet, it's with the Greek alphabet. And it spells it out with Alpha would be the first word in it because it's the first letter and then the next letter is gamma. So you do these Greek letters going across there, okay? I'm just just telling you that I know a couple Greek letters. (laughs) All right, so the Greek letters, they're, they're written there and then next to it, it tells you how we, it transliterates it and how we would say it. So the Greek letters are there, and then they transliterate them into English, and here's what they spell, A-G-O-N-A. So that's how we would have it in English, and then it kind of gives you a little way to put the accent mark on it, how we might pronounce it. You can pronounce it Agona. 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 No, no, you're not getting it. I'm going too fast. Let us run the agona. Does agona, does it sound like any English word we have? Yes. (laughs) In fact, we get the word agony from this very word. Agona. Watch, watch. Let us run the agony. Wow. I don't know if you're getting this or not. You ever seen the bumper stickers on the back of cars that are advertising Jesus, you know, talking to people about Jesus? How would you like to see this bumper sticker? Want real agony? Try Jesus. Join the agony. Become a Christian. People go, what? What? I'm not signing up for that. Is everybody hearing me? Nobody thinks that when you become a Christian that you're going to join the agony. And yet, the Bible, I didn't make up the metaphor, honey. Don't get bent out of shape here. It says, the Bible says, let us run the race. And the Bible describes it, or the word is, the definition It describes it as, it's, it's an agony. Mercy. So let's talk about agony for a little bit. So if Christianity is an agony, well, that means it's not a sprint. Because some people can run a sprint like really fast. If we did a 100-yard dash tonight, some people would die. (laughs) But (laughs) some of you are pretty fast-footed, and you would do, yeah, you did real good. But some of us, it would take 20, 30 seconds to run 100 yards. And the speed demons, you know, they do it in less than 10 seconds. You know what I'm talking about? 100-yard dash. But it doesn't matter. If I ran a 100-yard dash tonight, I couldn't do it in 10 seconds. I don't think I can do it in 20 seconds. Is everybody with me? However, it would be over pretty soon. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. If you ran the 400 meters around the track one full time, well, I couldn't do it in 30 seconds. But it would be over in a couple minutes. No, no, no. Let us run the agony. It ain't going to be over in a couple minutes. Is everybody with me? It's the long haul, it's going to take some time to get to the end. Is everybody with me? So what you do is you make the decision, you, watch, watch, when you're in the race and we're starting the race, says, let us run, you didn't sign up for 30 seconds. Did you just hear me? When you got saved and you received Christ to be your Savior or a partaker of the heavenly calling, you didn't sign up and say, oh, yes, save me, Jesus. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Please save me and I'll try it for about a week. That's not salvation. You don't try Jesus on for a week. If you don't like it, say, well, I tried it, it didn't work. That, excuse me, that's not repenting. That's not humbling yourself before the Lord. That's you making the decision, I'm going to do it my way. When you receive Christ as your Savior, you're nobody, you're nothing, you have nothing to offer, and you're saying, Jesus, I throw myself at your feet, in your hands, do with me, save me. You're the only one that can. Please save me, Jesus. You're not saying, Jesus, save me, and I'll do anything you want. You're just saying, Jesus, save me. I'm depending totally on you, and you now are my Savior. But if you're doing this, Please save me, Jesus. I'll try it for—I'll try it for four weeks. I'll try. That's not salvation. Is anybody getting this? No, 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 no. You're not. Get... When you receive Christ, you're in it for the long haul. You're in it till it's over. There are so many crybabies. I didn't write it. It's in the New Testament. The Lord Jesus said there's some people that it's just like, you know, throwing them out there. The seed is planted. It's planted. It springs up and it's gone. As soon as the heat comes, excuse me, soon as the agony comes, gone. I don't know if you're listening. I don't know if you're getting this. He said, Let us run the Agona run the agony. Make the decision. When you receive Christ to be your Savior, if you've got addendums, if you've got attachments, you really didn't receive Christ. You're trying to do it. You're trying to have Christianity your way. Receiving Christ is understanding you have nothing. There's nothing you can give Him. There's nothing you can offer Him. All you're doing is depending on Him. Please, Jesus save me. You're yielding totally to him for redemption, for salvation, for forgiveness, mercy. So since we're talking about it, do some people get the jersey, get the number, and they take off and they do good for six months and then they don't, does that mean they're not saved? I don't know that. I couldn't say for sure that, oh, no, they're not saved. They, they did it six months and dropped out. Oh, they did it six weeks, they dropped out. I can't say for sure they're not saved. Because I do know believers are in the race, and they hit some bumps. They hit some agony, and it knocks them down for a while. Then some revival comes along. Donna grabs a whole limb and shakes them loose, and they go, "Yes, yes, Jesus, I'm going to get back in the race." Somebody say, "Amen. amen. Mercy's sakes. It's a hallelujah. Yes, it, mm-hmm. uh, it is true some people are in the race, but they're doing it their way, and they don't last. I hope I'm not confusing you, but I'm just saying if you get saved, you're in the race, and the whole intent, the heartbeat should be, I'm in it for the long haul. My desire is to love you, Jesus, to follow you, Jesus. When people get back up and get back in the race, I'm for it. I don't care how they do it. I don't care if it's a song that convicts them. I don't care if it's a friend that nudges him and says, what are you doing? I don't care if it's a parent, a child, it could it could even, wow, it could even be like a preacher. And God touches the heart and they go, you know, I need to get my attitude right. I need to get back in the race. Amen. One of the things, since we're surpri- since we're talking about it, is uh, you know what the word race, listen. Agona, you know what it guarantees? You know what Christianity guarantees? When you're in the race, guarantees discomfort. You wouldn't call it an agona if there were, you know, it's like floating on a rubber mat drinking iced tea. <laughs> Amen? Amen. You wouldn't be thinking that you ain't well. This is a real agony. No, in Christianity, excuse me, friend, there is guaranteed discomfort. Does everybody have the same discomfort? No. But it's guaranteed you will have some discomfort. Since we're talking about it, I'm not going to cover them all. I'm just going to brush this across, but I'm just going to bring this up. One of the discomforts, look up here. One of the discomforts is this this is flesh. This did not get saved. No. This is not saved. My flesh wants its way. In fact, the Holy Bible says, my flesh is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. My flesh does not want to surrender to Him. My flesh wants its own way. I got the jersey, I got the number, I'm in the race, and the whole time I'm in the race... I got this bothering me. Amen. Amen. So, since we're talking about it, some of the agony. Sometime, I think it says it like this: "I am crucified with Christ." Another way is it says, "I die daily." The discomfort sometimes is telling this no do it like this. You're dead to me. And my flesh is going, no, no, I want to do it. I'm going to do it. Uh, You're dead to me. (laughs) No, I'm not. I'm right here. I want to do it. No. I'm telling you, that's uncomfortable. Guaranteed. You tell your flesh, no, enough. You tell your carnality, no, enough. That's a, I I think, like the Bible might even call it like a war. Like a warfare. It's pretty serious stuff. Is everybody with me? That could be some of the discomfort. Wow. I love this. Often, just about, as far as I know, every time, in the Bible, when the Bible tells us to do something, Then it tells us how. Let us run, it says, with patience, the race. Let us run the agony with patience. Is everybody with me? So the Bible's telling us how to go about this agona, this discomfort. Here's what you do. you got to do it with patience. So what does patience mean? First of all, we can do it like this. Just answer out, let's do this, let's vote, let's raise a hand. Don't do this, don't point your finger like that. Let's just vote like this. How many of you know somebody who is not patient? Raise your hand high. Mm -hmm. So if you know someone that's not patient, that means you probably know what patience means. Someone who can't wait. Someone who has to have their way. Everybody with me? Yeah. I think it's fascinating. The same word that says here, let us run with patience. It's the same word that's used in verse 2, verse 3, and verse 7, and it's it's translated endured. Jesus endured the cross. It says endure chastening. Endure, what is endure? Endure means go through it. Endure means don't give up. I guess you could say be patient until it's over. Is everybody with me? I have a dictionary, some of you are familiar with the dictionary called Noah Webster. He's a Daniel's brother, Ken book. Noah and Daniel both were writing dictionaries and we used Daniel's dictionary, the collegiate dictionary across America and so on. But Noah wrote a dictionary too. We don't use his in our public systems and so on. The main reason is, is because uh, he always has a verse of scripture in his definition. He refers to some verse of scripture. So we like to use his the definitions. But listen to Mr. Noah Webster's definition of patience. He says the primary sense is continuance. Holding out. You understand? Enduring. The primary sense is continuance, holding out. Then he says this we're, we are continuing, we're holding out in the suffering of afflictions, pain, toil, calamity. Provocation. Mercy. Mr. Webster said, Hey Bubba, if you're gonna have patience, you're gonna to have to continue hold out when afflictions come. Pain when it comes. Toil. You're worn out. Calamity, it's coming. Listen to this one. Provocations. You ever been provoked? <laughs> mercy let's just do the this little tiny provocation now if you're not a driver yet you might not know this but if you've ever driven a car out there you've been provoked tonight driving I drove the preacher's car I shouldn't say this out loud but I drove it from the hotel here and somebody got provoked it wasn't me It was a person next to me. (laughs) They were unhappy. (laughs) Because I didn't see them. Thank God they didn't hit me. I tried to hit them. I tried my best. (laughs) But I didn't. I missed them. Man, they were really mad. Do you know what I mean? It was unintentional. I think they call it an accident. Most wrecks are not on purpose like, I can't wait to cream them. (laughs) However, there are people out there that provoke us and we're going, I wasn't gonna hit them officer, but they provoked me. They deserved it, I rammed them as hard as I could. You know what it means to be provoked? They're just so aggravated. Here's what Mr. Webster says, oh no. Whenever you're provoked on the highway, as a Christian, you need to run this race with, you know, without provocation. When you are provoked, whenever you're going through something, listen, he's not done with the definition. He says, the suffering of afflictions, pain, toil, calamity, provocation. He says, you're supposed to have a calm, unruffled temper. So when someone provokes you, you're supposed to go, Oh, God bless you. I know you probably didn't mean that. You have a safe day, okay? A calm, unruffled temper. Is anybody hearing anything? No, no, you're missing. I think we're going too fast. In the race, there's going to be guaranteed provocations. How are you supposed to respond? Calm. Unruffled. It's going to be guaranteed pain. How do you respond? Calm. Guaranteed heartbreak. Guaranteed calamities. They're coming your way. How are you going to respond when tragedy happens? He says, uh, this race that you're in, you need to be calm. Unruffled, temper." Well, Brother Day, that's just not how I am. I know, that's why you have to do it with patience. It's not our normal response. But since I'm a believer and I want to run this race I'm in and bring glory to him who put me in the race, I'm going to try to have a calm, unruffled temper when calamity comes. Is anybody getting this? Oh, we might as well keep going. The definition's not over. I think we've got enough definition. (laughs) But he's not done. He says, when pain, toil, calamity, provocation comes, you should have a calm, unruffled temper. And then he says these words, without murmuring or complaint." That's hard. hard. Because, see, every one of us thinks we ought to be able to complain about what we just went through. Oh, let me tell you what happened out there. No, no, I didn't cuss them, I didn't run them off the road, but I'm telling you, whoa, I was going through it. Let me tell you how bad it was. Is everybody with me? We love to murmur and complain about, oh, let me tell you how bad it's been. And when I went through it, I don't, you know, and I I hate COVID, I hate everything about it. If you get 10 or 12 people and talk to them, each one of them had COVID, every one of them are different. Some, it's the worst sickness they've ever had. Some of them nearly died. Some people did die. Some people, they didn't even know they had COVID. They had a sniffle. Some people had a headache. Some, is everybody with me? Everybody is different. Our whole family, we've all had it. And all of us are different in how how we were affected. Our youngest daughter was six days in ICU with uh, what they call COVID pneumonia and they were getting ready to put her on a ventilator. That's scary Larry stuff, man. But when calamity happens, what do you do? You're supposed to have a calm, unruffled temper, listen, listen, without murmuring, without complaining. Tragedy's coming, friend. Sadness is coming stuff is going to happen life is going to happen to you and the bible says when you run this race you run it with patience when you think about that one of the commentators i read he said it like this whoa he said it demands discipline rigid care self sacrifice self denial Whenever we're in the race, there's going to be things that happen to us along the way that we just have to have self-denial. Say, well, I don't like it, I don't want it like this, but this is how it is, and so myself does not get to decide how I'm going to behave. I'm going to behave like Christ wants me to with a calm, unruffled temper. Is everybody with me? Is everybody getting this? I'm going to try my utmost to be like Christ wants me to be. I'm going to run this race with patience. Andrew Murray says it like this, we have intense exertion claiming body and soul. I don't know if you've ever read anything by Andrew Murray or not, but that man, when you read his stuff, you're going, uh, I think he knows Jesus a lot better than I do. His relationship with Christ is amazing. And he says... This running, this patience, this race claims body and soul. So, just self reflection. I'm going, What have I been through Whew, that was claiming body and soul? What, what have I just, what have I undergone? What have I endured? What have I been going through that? oh man, it's claiming body and soul. Is everybody hearing me? My Christianity, that's what I'm talking about. What part of my Christianity in this race that I'm doing is demanding exertion? Physical body and soul that I'm giving to Christianity so much that I'm going, is anybody hearing me? In my own life, I I can't give you a list and go, well, let me just tell you some stuff I've done. It's gone, body and soul. Serving Jesus, let me tell you some things. I don't have a list. Have I had difficulties in my life? Uh, Yeah. I'm married. (laughs) I have children. They are in their 40s, so we've had stuff. Amen. Have we had tragedy? Yes. Yes. Have we had heartbreak? Yes. Yes. But are they claiming body and soul in my relationship to Jesus? Is everybody hearing me? I'm thinking, we just trusted Him. We went through tragedy. We went through sorrow. But what did we do? We didn't think about quitting. I don't know if you're getting this, like we're in it for the long haul. We're in it to finish. Go the whole way. Strenuous self-discipline. So let me do a few more things. I'll try to get close to the wrapping up. I'm not there yet, but I'm closer. Christianity, the race, is not floating around on clouds, sipping iced tea and eating chocolate cake. Amen? That's not what Christianity is. Christianity is a, um, an agony. Is all of Christianity an agony? No. All of the metaphors are not agony. But Christianity's got agony in it. Yeah. Yeah. Guaranteed. Yeah. It's going to take some strenuous self-discipline. So well, since we're talking about it, it's I, my first time in teaching what I'm teaching here and preaching this that I'm getting ready to say this because I just listened to these preacher fellows I like to listen to on a podcast and they talked about if you say self-discipline, <laughs> you've already lost it because you're thinking self has to do it, okay? In Christianity, we can't do anything on our own. We're not able. We need Christ's strength. But sometime or another, I have to be willing to surrender. So if you want to call surrender self discipline, I've got to surrender every time, not sometime. And I'm just telling you, to surrender every time means I've got to continue to say no to this. The flesh. Is everybody with me? Well, how do you do that? I can only do it through the Spirit. But I can only do it through the Spirit if I make the decision to surrender. If you don't surrender, you didn't make it. So as I talk about self-discipline tonight, I'm talking about us surrendering to God, let him have his way and we don't get our own way. But it takes self-discipline to do anything. It takes discipline to do anything. Some of you have no idea what it means to make your bed every day. Why would I do that? I'm just going to get in it again in a couple hours. Get some more rest. But others of you could not imagine not having your bed made. You would go (laughs) nuts. And people that don't make their beds, you that do make your beds, going, it just takes a couple of minutes to think don't you have a little bit of discipline? <coughs> Is everybody with me? <laughs> so it doesn't matter what we're talking about in life. It can be something as unimportant as a maid bed. It's not unimportant. Well, it could be something as important as a maid bed. You can say it either way. It doesn't matter. It's going to take self-commitment, discipline to do whatever we do. The Olympics are going on right now. This is my first year to have zero interest. I'm, I'm, I'm mad at all athletics. I'm mad at almost everything in America. I'm mad about it. It's all political. They ought to just play ball. They moved the all-star game from Atlanta. That's just... It just makes me mad. It has nothing to do with politics. They, they're throwing a ball and hitting it. Catching it, anyway, (laughs) I'm mad about it. Regardless, (laughs) 44 years ago we had the Olympics and I did pay attention. there was this little bitty short girl, oh honey, she stole the hearts of America and the world. She's a little bitty one. She could bounce, jump, flip, flop, roll, twist turn better than any other human. She was awesome. Little tiny Simone Biles. You just want to pick her up and (laughs) hug her like this. (laughs) She's incredible. This year, of course, I heard a little bit about it, that she wasn't ready, and if anybody knew they were ready or not to do that, she should know. And up in her head, she's going, I ain't ready. And she's the best in the world? Well, if she knows she's not ready, why should she go out there and break an ankle or a leg or a face? But she did come back and she did win and she's won more medals than any other Olympian. I'm telling you, we love her. You know that that girl, her backstory is awesome, but you know when she was six years old, she started gymnastics. And do you know to be an Olympian how much they practice? 40, 40 hours a week. 40, like that's eight hours for five days a week. I mean, that's like a lot. Can you see other seven-year-old kids going, I wish I could flip and flop for eight hours every day. I wish they'd let me do that. No, after an hour or 30 minutes, they go, going, hey, when do we get a break? My thumbs are messed up. I got to play some kind of game. Is everybody with me? When are we going to have some pizza? I don't have time for this. My friends are going. I want to go with them. Do you know what kind of self-discipline that takes? You have to make the commitment. You're in it for the long haul. Since she was six years old, 40 hours a week. Michael Phelps is our swimmer, the hero swimmer. More medals than anybody else in swimming. And Michael Phelps, since he was 15 years old, swims. 50, I'm talking 50 miles a week. I don't want to ride my bicycle 50 miles a week. Is <laughs> everybody with me? I am not a good swimmer, do, but if I was a good swimmer, I would be going, how far is 50 miles? Nah, that's a little too far. I'll do one lap. Is everybody with me? What kind of commitment is that? I told you I'd tell you about I'm a, I'm a runner. I've Since I was in my 20s, I've had a few bucket list things I'd like to do. In the back of my head, I've always wanted to run a marathon. A marathon. Well, then I found out it's 26.2 miles, and I went, well, I still want to, but I probably never will. I have a, lower back trouble I told you about, and so on, and so I have hip trouble, and I thought, I'll never get to run a marathon. I was 56 years old, and I was in Ohio at Bob Evans Restaurant. There were nine people there, my wife and I included, so seven other people, and six of the seven people had run a marathon, and one of them was an old lady, older lady. She was (laughs) She was almost as old as me and she'd run two marathons and these people were telling me you can do it brother dave you can do it all you got to do is read this book read the book and you can do it do what it says you can do a marathon you can do it everybody can do it i'm going i don't know i got a bad back and i got a bad knee i don't think i could run brother dave just read the book do what it says you can read, you can run a marathon they got me so excited so turned on it was saturday night i went to the room downloaded on Kindle. Non-Runner's Guide to Marathon Training. It's a little book. And so when I downloaded it, I started reading the book. I read half of it Saturday night. Sunday afternoon, Sunday night, I read the other half. I was so excited, turned on. Mercy. Monday morning, I got up and I told Nancy, well, I'm going to run a marathon. <laughs> Today's starting. This was August. I'm going to run a marathon. I'm going to start today. Here's what the book said, Nancy. The book says, if I can go out right now and run 30 minutes, if I can just go 30 minutes without stopping, if I can do 30 minutes in 14 weeks, I can do a marathon. That's what the book says. I told Nancy I'm going to go out and see how long I can run. I stretched out, I did everything, I took off. And I'm telling you the gospel truth, I'm telling you, I'm not lying. I ran almost five minutes. <laughs> and I walked mercy it took me three weeks to build up to 30 minutes I built up to 30 minutes and so I started the regimen and so they tell you what to do for 14 weeks well I I didn't know I thought they had a marathon every week that you just call up and say hey they're having a marathon in North Dakota or Florida or whatever you, every week there's one in America all you got to do is go there and do it well they don't do that I didn't know anything about that so I found a marathon and I only have 12 weeks to get ready So this friend of mine who'd run several marathons, I called him and I said, do you think 12 weeks is enough? He goes, yeah, you can do it. Let's do what the book says. You can do it. Okay. The very first week, you only run four days a week and you rest three. So on Monday, I ran three miles. On Tuesday, I ran four miles. On Wednesday, I ran three miles. And then I rested on Thursday and either Friday or Saturday, depending on where I was, how the calendar went, I ran five miles. Now, I'd only run five miles in my life once before, was several years ago. Now I'm 57, I did it. Week five, I ran three miles, five miles, three miles. I ran 10 miles on Friday or Saturday. Got to week nine, I ran four miles, seven miles, four miles. Ran 16 miles. So I've got three weeks left. The last two weeks, I ran five miles, eight miles, five miles, 20 miles. And when I go run, Nancy tells me, I ran yesterday. When I go run, Nancy says, be careful. Every time I go running, no matter where I'm going. When I get back, she says, did you make it? (laughs) Well, I'm standing here, a woman. But her and I know what we mean. We mean, did I run the whole time or did I walk some of it? So I ran a marathon. I had four goals. Number one, don't die. I made it. Number two, finish the race, don't quit, no matter what happens. Number three, do it in less than five hours. I didn't even know they have a time limit. You can only go, if you go to seven hours and two minutes, you don't get a medal. You got to do it in less than seven hours. It's not a walk, it's a run. I didn't know that. But I want to do it less than five because there was three women, all of them in their 30s. Two of them had three children. They ran a marathon in four hours and 54 minutes. And I'm not letting some old women with babies outrun me. I <laughs> have got to do it less than five hours. Number four, number four goal was don't walk one step. When you stop and get water, don't stop and take a drink. You've got to keep running. And I did all four goals. Do you know why I did all four goals? I made a decision to do it. That's the reason. That's the only reason I did it. One day, it was 110 degrees. I was in Texas when I was running. I was in Salt Lake City. It snowed. I ran 16 miles for the first time in my life. I ran 16 miles. It snowed the entire time. I ran in the rain. Do you know why I ran? That was run day. It was run day. I made a commitment that I'm going to stay in it for the long haul, and I'm going to do this race. See, in Christianity, you and I need to make the decision. We're going to stay in it. We're not going to let something bump us off, a little snow. We're not going to let sickness. We're not going to let someone hurt our feelings. We're not going to let, I got fired from my job. I'm not going to let anything stop me from running this agony. There is guaranteed discomfort, but I will not quit. Is everybody with me? You've got to make the decision. It's a commitment you've made. You're not making it to the preacher. You're, not making, it to, you're making it to the Lord Jesus. He's the captain. I'm going to stay in it, Christ until I get there so since we're talking about it fifth grade fifth grade teacher fifth grade teacher out on the playground fifth graders are all around running that's a recess or whatever and the fifth grade teacher blows a whistle hey fifth graders all fifth graders get over here all you fifth graders come here come on come here come here all fifth graders they start coming over okay all the fifth graders come on get over here, over here okay get on the line we're gonna run a race get on the line all you fifth graders, get on the line. All of you, get on the line. I'm going to blow the whistle, and I want you to take off and run the race. Are you ready? Get on the line. Here we go. And they all take off except one kid. One boy. Why aren't you running? The little kid looks up like, You never told us where to run to. Wouldn't that be horrible? If you're in a race and you don't know when it's over, it's like keep running. <laughs> Say, when's it over? I don't have no idea. I'm just running. So I want to tell you how long we run, okay? It's Romance, chapter eight. We're almost done. <laughs> That's exciting, isn't it? <laughs> romance chapter eight. Oh, I love the Holy Bible. Listen, uh, he says uh, in Romans 8, uh, verse 29, For whom he foreknew, or foreknow, that's God, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Excuse me, I have told you I was going to tell you How do we know when it's over? Whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. When's it over? Whenever you're conformed to the image of his Son. Well, when is that? Well, in 1 John it says it like this. For we shall see him, and we shall be like him when we see him. Is everybody with me? When will I be like Jesus? Ah, when I sing. Am I supposed to be like Jesus now? Yeah, I'm working on it. I don't, I don't know if you're making I'm making progress. I'm more like Jesus today, I guarantee you, than I was uh, 20 years ago. Does everybody hear me? I am more like him today than I was 12 months ago. There's some significant things that have happened in my life, and I can just say, praise his name, I'm more like him today than I was 12 months ago. Now, some years go by, and I don't know hardly any change. But some years, it's significant. But one day, when I see him, I'll be like him. So what does that mean? I'm going to keep running until I see him. Well, when am I going to see him? I don't know. I might see him tonight. I believe Gabriel right now. Gabriel is in heaven, and he's, he's got his trumpet. He's licking his lips. Now, Jesus, are you ready, Lord? He's going to blow the trumpet. We're out of here. Amen. I'll see him, and I'll be like him, and my race is over. Somebody say Amen. I might even get to go a different way. I might have a heart attack tonight. Da, boom, it's over. The widow maker, they call it. Nancy, I could have the widowmaker, and I'd seen tonight. That'd be too bad for you, but it'd be really good for me. <laughs> I'm serious, my race would be over. Now I'm not wanting to get on the next bus, but I'm ready everybody with me? I have things I'd like to do for the Lord. I'd have things I'd like to see happen. But I'm telling you, I'm ready. If I see him, I'll be like him. Here's the goal. Listen, here's the goal. I want to stay in the race until I see him. Is there going to be some disappointments? Yeah. Am I going to have heartbreak? Yeah. Is there going to be people provoke me? (laughs) Yes. But I'm not giving up. I'm going to try to do this with a calm, unruffled temper, without murmuring, without complaint. I said that out loud one time at a church. I said, Wouldn't it be wonderful if nobody, nobody in the church murmured? And someone in the back said, It'd be a miracle! But that would just be people that are trying to run the race with patience. Amen? Wow. If you're not saved, oh, friend, if you're not saved, if you don't know for sure you got your jersey, you don't know for sure you're born again, oh, I got such good news. You can. You can know. He wants you to know you're forgiven. But you've got to admit that you don't know. You've got to admit that you believe Christ, Jesus Christ, is God's son, that he did do what he said he did, he died on the cross for our sins, he was buried, rose again, he is God's son, and he's the savior, and if you trust him, you're depending on him, say Christ, I know I'm a sinner, I know I've messed up, I just need a savior, would you save me, Jesus, I'm depending on you, you alone, would you save me, he's never turned down anybody, if you're not saved, good news tonight, can be. Brother Dave, stop. I'm already saved. I'm born again. Hallelujah. So if you made the commitment you're in it for the long haul, you're not going to let stuff bump you out of the way. Life is going to happen, friend. The Lord's telling us we don't have to do this by ourselves. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. Thank you very much for listening tonight. Thank you. I'd like to pray with you, please, we'll bow our heads. Pray, Our great God, I come to you again. I just want to say thank you so much. Thank you that you love us, that you prove that you love us. Thank you for your word that teaches us this Christianity is well, it's something like a race. And there will be times that are not comfortable at all. But God, you've asked us, you've given us the instruction, and we've got to make the decision to surrender to you. We cannot do it on our own, but we can surrender to you and say our intent is to stay in the race until we see you. I pray that we make commitment like that, rededication like that. We could even call it revival like that. Jesus, if someone's not saved tonight, please, please touch them, convince them that they can be forgiven tonight. If they just be honest with you, I pray you'd help them have that heartbeat, that desire. And us that know you, I pray we'd make the decision. I know we have to do it again and again and again. Thank you that you'll allow us to do it again. Have your way with us, Christ. Our heads are bowed and Ms. Becky's going to begin uh, playing and Brother Kenny's going to begin the invitation, singing. If you want to sing with him, you're welcome to, but if you need to come tonight, I just want to invite you to come. Let's find a place to pray. Let's find a place to rededicate, <laughs> recommit. Lord, I know you're the one in charge. I just want to surrender to you. Brother Kenny begins. Why don't you say yes tonight? Amen. I'm in the race. I'm not going to quit. Amen. find a place to pray, Lord, I rededicate, I surrender. He's so good to us. Are you ready would you look right up here to me please are you ready I'm talking are you ready tonight if the if if Gabriel blows the horn tonight are you ready or will you be left behind it's going to happen it's going to happen sometime If you're not ready, you can get ready. If the tragedy happened, uh, I don't know what your age bracket is. I have no idea, but I know this. You can go to the cemetery right now and find somebody that's your age. I'm 66. I guarantee you there's some 66-year-old cemetery stones out there for people that were 66 when they died. But there's also those that are 12, those that are 9, those that are 20. I don't know what age you are, but we don't know. None of us know how long we're going to live. Are you ready? Brother Kenny's going to sing the next verse. I just want you to respond to the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is touching your heart. He's asking you to say yes to him. Brother, go right ahead. Amen. What a good God. I love it. Yes.